Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi healers, it's Allison here. So I want to tell you a little bit more about how Taylor and I got started with our podcast and the platform we've been using, which is Anchor, has been so user-friendly and so amazing. I just want to tell anyone else out there that is thinking about starting a podcast, Anchor is the way to go. First of all, it's completely free. So hello. Second of all, there's so many creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's crazy. I'm recording this right from my phone and it literally just looks like the record button on your videos or your Instagram. So it really is such a user-friendly platform. And the coolest thing is, is you can add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes too. And the possibilities are seriously endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never even seen before. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And like I said, it's so user-friendly. I recommend Anchor. Go to anchor.fm to get started or the Anchor app. See you later, healers. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And together, we're the Anxiety Chicks. Each week, we will dive deep into a different topic about anxiety and the real-life experiences we all go through. While giving you all the top tools and tips you need for your journey to recovery. Our degrees may say therapist and dietitian, but together we are just real chicks on our own healing journeys too. Join us as we take you from panic to power and reduce the stigma of mental health. Remember, you're never alone and we're all in this together. Hi, healers. Allison here. So I want to talk to you all a little bit about one of our new sponsors, BetterHelp. I'm so excited to tell you about this online counseling platform because as a licensed therapist, I'm a huge advocate of mental health awareness and truly believe in providing affordable counseling services to anyone, anywhere. Let's face it, there's so many areas in the United States and around the world that can make it so difficult to find affordable counseling. And especially if you live in a more rural area, it can be really hard to find a counselor, which is why I love this online platform. BetterHelp is an online mental health healing platform that provides online counseling and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling service done securely online and is available worldwide. What's even better is that there are a number of different licensed counselors who specialize in all different areas of mental health. BetterHelp makes it so easy to log onto your account at any time and contact your therapist directly. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses and can schedule as many weekly video or phone sessions as you would like. As a therapist, I know that it's not always possible to find the right therapist for your needs, especially the very first time. So BetterHelp has actually made it so easy to facilitate great therapeutic matches. And if you don't find a connection with your first counselor, there's absolutely no charge to change counselors if you ever need to. How amazing is that? And if you find that you're struggling financially, they also have financial aid available. So we have a special offer for all Anxiety Chick listeners today. Sign up now and receive 10% off your first month. Just visit betterhelp.com slash the Anxiety Chicks. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, slash the Anxiety Chicks and join over 50. 
500,000 people who are taking charge of healing their mental health with an experienced counselor today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinera, and I'm not with Taylor today. <laughs> Sorry if I tricked you guys. Um, Taylor is on a little vacation this week. Um, as I speak, she is on her way to California, I believe, and she is there. And she just had to pack. She had to get her brain ready for the flight yesterday because she was having a lot of anxiety. If you checked out her stories, you might have seen that she was a little bit apprehensive. Um, If you haven't listened to last week's episode, we talked all about flight anxiety and how um, all of the coping mechanisms for if you're scared of flying, which were so helpful to me because I don't think I've flown in over like six years or something. And that is one of my phobias. So go listen to that if you want. But yes, so we miss you, Taylor, if you're listening. And you're going to get a lot of the anxiety healer today, you guys. I'm sorry if that's not what you were hoping for. But alas, here I am. Um, So what I thought I'd do today, I posted on our Instagram, the Anxiety Checks Instagram, about what you guys would like me to talk about. And I am all about giving you what you want. So I'm hoping this will be an interesting episode. I'm going to pick a couple different topics that um, people requested, more than more than a, a couple people requested, um, and just give you kind of my viewpoint from a clinical perspective as a therapist and also a perspective as a human being <laughs> who struggles with anxiety. Um, because... At the end of the day, let's be honest, we're all human and we all struggle and we all go through different challenges in life and I am no different and no one else is any different. Don't let me let them tell you that they are because everyone struggles and everyone has mental health concerns at some point in their life and life adversities. So I'm going to talk a little bit today about a couple different things. So a couple of you actually requested that I talk about anxiety triggers and what are some ways to cope with them. Um, So first and foremost, a a trigger is basically – now, you might hear some people in the the field of coaching or psychology or mental health, whatever, not love the word trigger. Um, I I do – use it. I, I Only because for me, it kind of helps me personally identify when I know my anxiety is maybe spiking kind of. But essentially from as I'm going to do a little clinical jargon right now, but as a cognitive behavioral therapist, when I hear the word trigger, um, I essentially think about an activating event that is going to influence anxiety. So some type of event or some type of person even um, that can influence whether you have the ability to manage your anxiety at that moment or not, and if you feel really out of control. So um, that's not essentially like a, a true definition, um, but from what I know in my practice and what I've worked with a lot of clients on is something that precedes their anxiety. So something that happens or someone you're around or some type of life adversity, or it doesn't have to even come, you know, something specific. It could be maybe a trauma from um, your past that, you know, something happens, right, in those moments and you're, you're triggered and something comes to you in your mind and you ultimately start having a lot of intensive and intrusive thoughts. So, but here's the thing, triggers can look very different for everybody. So you probably have heard me say that anxiety looks different for everybody. So healing looks different for everybody, which means triggers can be very different for everyone. Um, I already mentioned trauma. And so, um, you know, Taylor and I actually did a great episode about trauma a couple episodes back too. So so check that out. Um, but that is trauma and anxiety can definitely be very, very much linked. Um, so 
So depending on kind of your life experience and your family dynamic and your biology, right, your brain chemistry, um, depending on your environment that you were you were brought up in, um, you know, what I mean is not just family environment, but also um, environment around where you live or um, also academic environment, your, your social environment um, in school or other places. Um, all of these factor into our mental health and our physical health and how resilient we are when life adversity happens. So um, there's a couple different triggers that are more common, I would say, or have been shown to, you know, after research has, uh, you know, asked hundreds and thousands of people, there's all these research studies that, um, you know, people have actually been able to identify what has influenced their anxiety. And so there are some commonalities here. So I'm going to go through some of them that um, have been shown to be a trigger for anxiety. Um, but again, it looks different for everybody. These might not apply to you. Some of them might apply to you. And then we'll go through how to manage these triggers and what you can do to help yourself. So um, one trigger that um, you know, is something that is I struggle with and I know Taylor struggles with and is very, very common as of late because of COVID and um, obviously the pandemic, um, but health problems. So certain medical conditions such as heart problems um, or low blood sugar, um, other types of health problems may trigger anxiety. Um, the interesting thing is there's some other, even if you don't struggle with those types of health problems, um, there's also a part of you that might struggle with some type of health anxiety, which basically you can be triggered by certain health problems that maybe are not as um, scary as you are making up in your mind that they are. So, um, you know, there could be different different things that happen or you feel in your body. And essentially you are creating – in your mind that something is severely wrong with you and you constantly think about your health and the underlying fear there is really that you're going to die. So the health health can be definitely be a huge trigger for anxiety. Uh, another one is caffeine. So for anyone that drinks caffeine, I highly recommend you to stop. <laughs> I know if you are a mom, or you're someone who has to wake up really early, or you're just exhausted, or maybe you just love ca coffee. Coffee can be so hard to give up. I totally get it. Um, the good thing is, is now there are a lot of more holistic types of energy type ways to get energy instead of having caffeine. Um, I know if if you just type into Google, you know, holistic remedies for energy. There's a lot of things that, that will come up that you that could be more helpful than caffeine. Um, but, you know, I, I say coffee because that's the most prevalent type of caffeine that people have, but caffeine is also in soda. Caffeine can also be in teas. Now, I drink tea, but I only drink decaffeinated tea. Um, I haven't drank coffee, and believe me, I love the taste of coffee. I haven't drank it in probably 10 years or maybe – 10 to 12 years, mostly because the last time I actually had a Starbucks cup of coffee, I feel like I had a panic attack and I was having heart palpitations and I literally thought I had to go to the hospital. And I started seeing a pattern of when I would drink that type of – it was very, very strong coffee too. Um, sometimes when I'm craving coffee, I'll still get a little bit of decaf from Wawa, which is this kind of like depart deli kind of store in Philadelphia. Um, but – they their coffee is so weak, and I get decaf, and I know. De and just remember, some decaf even still has a little bit of caffeine. Um, but it's best, honestly, if you can try and wean yourself off of caffeine. There have been a lot of research studies that have shown the connection between caffeine and anxiety. So, it could be really, really good, good choice for you. But believe me, I know how hard that is, and I know. 
Um, you know, even my boyfriend, he loves coffee and he actually like makes his own. He gets his fresh beans and he loves doing his, you know, routine in the morning of making his coffee. He doesn't really have much anxiety. Um, but <laughs> so he loves his um you know, it's just kind of a routine for him in the morning and he loves it. And that's kind of helps revive him for work. So I know it's, it's not just about like, you know, gosh, it's the taste is so good or anything, even though it is, but I know it's sort of like important for people, but if you really can try and cut that down, that could help. Um, but cause that is a trigger. Um, Okay. Another thing, another trigger for anxiety for a lot of people can be relationship problems. So some people find that conflicts with their spouse, parents, or other family members can trigger anxiety. So not just, so when I say relationship, it's not just your spouse or your partner um, or whoever you're romantically involved with, but any of your relationships in your life can, can increase your stress and anxiety. Um, we've done a couple episodes about re- attachment anxiety and relationship anxiety so far. Um, so I think our relationship anx- attachment anxiety one, we had a special guest on who was a marriage and family therapist. Um, and she was amazing. So scroll back for that. I think it's one of the earlier top 10 episodes. And talk, we just talked a lot about how so many people have different dynamics of their relationships and how what what kind of influences the anxiety in these types of relationships are just like the lack of communication and how it's so hard to be open about feelings with each other and how having the language and and knowing how to talk about emotions is so so hard for people um i mean including me i up until, gosh, and I mean, it's still hard for me, especially with my boyfriend. I'm st- I still try and stumble over my words and talk about my emotions and my feelings, and it's still so hard. Um, but I think that's that's something that is not that skill of of knowing how we're feeling and actually using feeling words and understand understanding our emotions when we're in them is just something that we're not taught. And it's not something that you can just know. So a lot of times when I work with children in my practice, parents will, you know, want me to work with their child on giving them the language to help them express themselves. And I love it. And and children are so raw, but a lot of times it's hard for some kids to feel like they have a voice because the dynamic in their in their family is um that maybe they just need to listen or maybe they're not they're not being validated when they are feeling scared or worried or mad um and so the truth is a lot of times when i work with those children i also work with those parents because the parents sometimes don't have the language to know how to express themselves and use feeling words <laughs> um and it's not anybody's fault Right, it's not the parents' fault because they only they they're only able to work with what they've received from their parents. So a lot of times it's just a cycle of not um, feeling like there was education of emotional education, and a lot of times that can really um, perpetuate a lot of miscommunication in different relationships, which influences anxiety. Because if you're not able to express yourself and know how, or even know how to do that then ultimately the first feeling that always, always surfaces is anger. So if you think about like, I I kind of explain to my clients that anger is this iceberg, right? And anger is like at the top or just picture an iceberg. Anger is like at the top of this iceberg and underneath where the water is, is all these other emotions. So there's always, always another emotion going on when someone's mad. Um, and if you see obviously see anger and it comes to the surface, there's always some type of other emotion happening, whether it's sadness or hurt or frustration um, or fear or worry. And so, you know, I really work with my clients to kind of get to the root of those things and and really hear them and teach them how they can he- hear each other in those relationships, not just parent, daughter, but um, daughter, I'm just thinking myself, parent, child. Um and not just parent child but you know again partnerships friendships family members um you know it can just really create a lot of anxiety when you don't feel like you're being heard 
So um, that's just what I have noticed within the relationships dynamics that I've worked with and within myself. Um, along with relationship you know, problems is anxious attachment. So that's part of the attachment theory. Uh, I talk about anxious attachment a lot in a couple of the episodes, you know, when I have been talking about my new relationship and that I really struggle with a fear of abandonment and some codependency um, issues. And there's just a lot of, a lot that I talk about with feeling like I'm very anxiously attached when I get into a romantic relationship. And so I've been working a lot with my therapist and doing a lot of reading and listening to different podcasts on how to feel like I can really be in a more secure relationship, um, which has to do with really me focusing on loving who I am and finding my worthiness intrinsically and really just make making sure that every day I'm working on um, living my life and loving my life and not depending on my partner to just fulfill all of these emotional voids for myself because you know no partner should have to have the pressure to fulfill every single need for your for you but of course some of the needs um so yeah so sometimes that can be a stressor too for a lot of people is just being in a romantic relationship and feeling like anxiously attached um so relationship problems that's another one um okay so here's another one uh, another tr- uh, anxiety trigger should i say that has been shown to create a lot of anxiety and this is something that i think all of you can relate to but money so different concerns about paying bills or saving money or even knowing if you're going to be able to make a make a payment somewhere or where you're going to make your money um you know, maybe some people listening are fortunate enough where they're not living paycheck to paycheck. But I know at least in America, in our country, a majority of the people live paycheck to paycheck, which basically means that they're waiting to get their they're waiting to get paid in order to know if they can, you know, buy groceries or, you know, buy their family Christmas presents or what they actually can buy for themselves. Um and that's, you know, it's it's really – that's really, really stressful and overwhelming to a lot of people, right? Like to be able to know if you're going to be able to afford, you know, I don't know, maybe a certain type of food that you're excited for or maybe even any food, you know, um, and – and other necessities, right? Your bills and just being able to sleep, be warm and have have things that that you want and not necessarily that you need, you know? You have to be careful about what you're spending money on. Um, but I know in in certain relationships too that can create a little bit of a of an anxious dynamic because you're trying to figure out like, you know, what, what do you think is important to spend money on? What do you think is important to spend money? And there's a fight because like, you don't want this person to be like spending on that and then blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, if you're parents, you obviously want to give what you can to your kids, but you don't know if you have enough money. Anyway, all of that totally is a trigger for anxiety. Um, okay. Here's another one. That's a, a, a trigger for people that struggle with anxiety is transitions and changes in routine. So if there's like significant changes in routine, like think about starting a new job or having a baby or maybe you're going to college or you're graduating college, um, you're going on your own, literally getting starting a job for the first time, um, or maybe even you're retiring, huge life changes um and not even huge life changes even even some transitions that people would think of and and say to themselves oh okay um you know i would say like moving that's a that's kind of a big one some people might be like oh well you know i move it's fine but moving you know that can be a huge transition so i think that why this happens is because what i've noticed with a lot of my clients when you have anxiety, you like structure, right? You love routine and you love structure. 
Why? Because anxiety wants... Okay, how can I say this? Anxiety loves unpredictability. Okay, so what I mean is if you have anxiety, you hate things that are unpredictable, right? So think of anxiety as like this little like devil on your shoulder. We'll just call him, you know, (laughs) anxiety is a part of you. Don't, I don't want you to hate that part of you because we, we love all of who we are. But anxiety is this little like bully that's like on your shoulder, right? Telling you to be scared of everything. And so anxiety is like, ooh, yeah, I want you to be scared. You don't know what's coming next. Yeah, that's awesome. You don't know what's coming next. I'm going to scare you so bad. Do you know what I mean? So anxiety like loves unpredictability. Like, ooh, I love when you don't know what's coming up. Ooh, yeah, I'm going to scare you. So that little bully that's talking in your ear, right, part of cognitive behavioral therapy, I'm not going to go into it, but that's a huge, amazing tool for helping heal anxiety is reframing the way that you think and basically talking back to that bully and, you know, that self-talk is so important, recognizing that, you know, that voice doesn't control you. Those thoughts don't control you. You have other parts of you that are rational and you know that, um, you know, a very, very high percentage of the experiences you're going to have, you will 100% be okay. So it's kind of like talking back to that bully Um, but essentially when it comes to like unpredictability, so when we're anxious, you know, that like rational part of us and we want to say to ourselves like, oh, okay, you know, it's okay. I don't really know what's coming next, but you know, I live in the moment and I'm just going to take this day as it comes. And you know, every, every minute is okay. I'm just going to be mindful. I'm going to do my meditations. I mean, like that sounds so easy. But that is not easy when you have anxiety. So whenever like some type of huge change happens, you know, our brain goes into overdrive and we're almost like, oh my gosh, wait, I don't know what's happening. You know, why why did this happen? Okay, this thing was so unpredictable. What can I do right now to, to gain some sense of control? Right? So there's, I mean, you might be able thinking to yourself like, oh my gosh, yes, I totally get that. I, you know, whenever I feel, I don't know, you think about like whenever I feel, you know, like antsy or I know I'm feeling anxious, I have to clean. And it makes me feel like really good because I can put things where they are and I can, you know, just be in an orderly place and it just feels really good because I know like I'm in control of that. Right. So you might find that with with huge transitions, you're so anxious and maybe you're trying to just gain some sense of control by doing all these different types of things. But in reality, sometimes it just takes having to accept what's happening in that moment. And I know I'm going back to what I just said about finding um finding a place. I don't mean like a physical place, but like finding finding space in your mind to find stillness. And let me tell you, I know it's not easy, but being able to – the one thing I will say about any of these triggers is if you can implement some grounding strategies, some breath work – um, I love yoga. Yoga is seriously so healing for anxiety. Check the research. Um, if you can implement some meditation, and I'm not saying every single day, all of these every day, but if you can find some part of your day, again, we talk about routine, right? So let's let's create like a schedule in our day. We're going to try and stick to it. You know, things happen and life happens, right? Nothing is perfect. But if we can schedule in at least 10 to 15 minutes every day to practice breath work. And honestly, if you just go to YouTube and type in breath work for anxiety, a million videos will come up. I mean, you guys know I talk about Dr. Nicole all the time, LaPera, the holistic psychologist. She has amazing videos on breath work. Um, Check her out. Uh, And also just some grounding strategies 
Um, so, you know, maybe just putting your feet on the ground and doing like a body scan. Uh, again, you can type in body scan to YouTube. You can just follow that. Um, doing some visualization exercises. So maybe like closing your eyes and thinking about your happy place, putting on some soothing music. Um, finding a meditation on Insight Timer. That's my favorite one. You can go in the search engine and think about what you're anxious about throughout that day or or maybe you're not. I mean, the best time is to do these is actually when you're not highly anxious because you become, um, you retain the information a lot better at those moments and it also starts becoming more habit for, form. Um, so so let's see. So yeah, so so making sure that, you know, whatever's going on in your life. So I know that recently my dad is talk about transitioning. Um he you guys might have heard me say this, but he's been in an assisted living home for gosh since like March. And then recently he had a minor heart attack. So he had to go back to rehab and now he's back in the assisted living. All these poor transitions for him and he's older and it's just it's hard. Um but like being able to help him with the transition and he loves music. You know, I put on soothing music for him or like not even just soothing music. He loves um, the Eagles and he loves classic rock from the 70s. So he loves Tom Petty and Fleetwood Mac. And, you know, sometimes I'll just bring my headphones and let him drift away to the music and he loves it so much. So music can be so healing too for anyone that likes music. Um, it's so healing for me too. I think I probably got that from my dad. So I think that that's, I don't know. I just, there's something about music that's more like therapeutic for me than anything, you know? Um, so I don't even know where was I anyway. So, oh, so those are just some coping tools that I think are great to start with and creating a habit in your daily life to do that. Um, I, I mean, there's, there's so much, I'm just trying to think of my healing toolkit and there's just, like, I just named maybe like one fourth, not even like 10% of, of the tools that I have and when I'm feeling anxious. But, um, if you want to learn how to kind of create your own anxiety healing toolkit, you can pre-order my book, The Anxiety Healer's Guide, on Amazon right now. Uh, I will put it in the show notes. And it's essentially 10 chapters of mindfulness coping skills and cognitive behavioral techniques, um, how to heal anxiety. So there's a chapter on breathing. There's a chapter on visualization exercises. There's a chapter on grounding exercises. I talk about EFT tapping. If you hadn't, haven't heard of that yet, that can be very healing. Um, I provide a bunch of different meditations. I have a anxiety healing distraction workbook at the end, the law of distraction exercises. Um, and then I have a whole chapter of how to actually create your own healing toolkit. And I give you the example of the one that I actually have now. So, um, oh, and there's a whole chapter of also tangible items that are really good if you struggle with anxiety that you can take on the go with you um, that are very calming. So all of all of what I wrote about is all research-based um, and it could be really helpful. It's uh, it, If you pre-order it, you'll have access. I mean, you won't have access to it until March 2022, but at least you know that if it sells out, you can get a copy. So go to the show notes or um, type in the anxiety healers guide in Amazon and you can pre-order that. So I think that'll be really helpful for, to, for you guys too. Um, so yeah. So as far as triggers go, you know, that was a huge one. And I know I've talked about that way longer <laughs> than I was maybe planning to. So I'm sorry, but multiple people asked me about triggers and I feel like I wanted to actually just spend a little bit more time on them. Oh, one other trigger that I wanted to talk about that is actually very common for people is social events. So a lot of people struggle with social anxiety. So you might be, that might be you. Um, that is me as well, which people actually can't believe because I'm very outgoing. And when I am at certain social events, I can be very engaging. And I'm like, hey, you know, talk to a lot of people. But honestly, there's a lot of events and a lot of times I am very anxious when I'm going somewhere. And 
I don't feel like being on, you know, and I don't know what I'm going to say or am I, you know, I struggle with IBS. So, oh my gosh, am I going to start feeling sick and where's the closest bathroom or, you know, what if I don't, um, what if I, the, there, there's food there or something and I don't like it and what am I going to do? I don't want to, you know, make people feel bad or just all these thoughts that go through my mind that <laughs> make me just want to run from the social situation. Um, but I've done a lot better on that. I've really worked on um, – with cognitive therapy, I've really worked on reframing a lot of those statements before I actually go to a certain event. And I've also given myself permission to not go to every single thing someone asks me to go to. Um, saying no was a very hard thing for me to do in my past. It's gotten a lot easier. And I'm telling you, if you're someone that <laughs> struggles with saying no, try it once. And then try it twice and three times, and literally you'll just say no to everything. I'm just kidding. But it's so easy now for me to say no because I really honor my body and my mind, and I listen to – I really listen to myself. And if I feel like something isn't serving me at that moment, I'm I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I can't make it. Um, so yes. So that's another trigger. That can be another trigger is social events, and especially if you struggle with social anxiety. Um, okay. So I really loved – okay. So also I wanted to give you – I'm sorry. I was going to move on, but I do want to give you just a couple more tips for triggers to help them. So another thing that can be really helpful is keeping a journal. So I talked about learning more about your feelings, but I think keeping track of your feelings on on paper is a really great way to help analyze what situations make you feel anxious. So being able to see patterns in your thinking and patterns of when you feel anxious can really help you identify triggers. Um, and you can also write down any effective coping strategies that, that can be helpful or like coping statements. So writing is always so powerful for me and for so many people that I, I work with. Um, really being able to establish, oh, wow, I see some patterns here of when I'm more anxious and when I'm not. Um, and then, of course, reaching out to your support system. So who is around you that you feel safe with, right? Like who is someone who doesn't judge you, who will love you no matter what, who isn't going to invalidate how you're feeling, who isn't going to say like, oh, just relax. I mean, is that the worst thing you can say to someone who's anxious? <laughs> what is that meme that's like, no one in the history of being told to relax has ever relaxed or something. <laughs> I'm like, I know. Please don't tell me to relax. It's not helpful. Um, but finding someone who doesn't do that, who actually maybe just sits with you and really listens to you and makes you makes you understand you, right? And wants to know about what's what's happening and wants to really hear you. And I would even go further as to say that this is just my own experience, okay? If I'm highly anxious, I cannot be around someone else who's highly anxious. Like I I can't. It is so it it spirals for me. Um and you know, if someone sort of just gets I don't know, you can just feel the energy, but also I know those people that if I'm scared about something or whatever and they're like, oh my gosh, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I, I – oh, wait. What are you talking about? Oh my God. I can't deal with that. Blah, blah. And they're just – and they're so hypersensitive or hyper – I don't know. Anyway, they're acting just like me. I can't. <laughs> I need someone who is like a calming force in those moments, you know, and it's just what I need. It's nothing about that other person who's probably going through the same anxiety I am, but I think being able to have – a more grounding and calming person who is with you during those moments can be really, really healing. So, okay, that's triggers. If you guys have any other questions about triggers, 100%, just feel free to DM me, okay? Okay, so the next thing I'm going to talk about, and this is probably going to be it, but I'll do another solo episode at some point when – um, and Taylor might too at her end when we have things going on. But um, a couple of you guys asked me to talk a little bit more about my reflux and just tell you how I got to the, you know, 
diagnosis of it and what happened. So, oh my gosh. Okay. I feel like it's just been such a long, <laughs> long thing. Um, and I feel like maybe it's managed. I don't know. But anyway, I feel like I've always sort of had it um, because I've always struggled with stomach stuff from a ki- as a kid. Um, I never really – I mean, maybe not as a little kid, but I'll, I'll tell you the first time that I really knew that I had some type of reflux was, gosh, probably like 10 years ago. Now, it's probably way longer ago, but this is the traumatic experience that happened to me like 10 years ago. I was in my apartment in Philadelphia, and at that point, I was living with a roommate, but she wasn't home, and I was getting ready for happy hour. I was literally all ready, and I was just eating. You know, I had leftover chicken. I was like, I know I need to eat because I haven't eaten like all day, and I started eating this chicken, and it literally felt like it got stuck in my throat, and I thought I was choking. And I was so scared. I literally didn't know what was going on, but I could still breathe. So this is what I I later learned. But I started knocking on people's doors. I started, you know, like, because I lived in a, a condo complex, no one was answering. I tried to like stick my finger down my throat and it came up a little bit, but like it was still just like stuck in there. But then I started realizing that I could breathe. So I'm like, hold on, I'm not choking. So I literally called my mom and I was freaking out. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, this is so scary. And I think I'm choking. And she's like, you're breathing. You're not choking. There's something stuck. You probably have, you know, she's like, this has happened to me. So that's another thing that I realize if you struggle with reflux or something called GERD, which is like a gastrointestinal thing, it's it's very genetic according to what I've read. Um, again, that doesn't mean for everybody's going to get it, but – there can be a component. Um, so my mom was calming me down and I was just like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And I was trying to spit up in the sink and blah, 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 all this stuff. And she's like, you're breathing. So you're okay. You know that. She's like, go down to the the main lobby and ask them to call you an ambulance. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. I, I mean, at this point I was definitely having a panic attack. So I felt like I'm telling the story and I feel like my I was like outside of my body. Like I don't even remember. I was in this like little cute dress. It was the summer. I'm just like thinking about it now. Um, so I went down and I went to the front desk and there I just remember there were definitely like, you know, five to ten people in the lobby. This was, you know, this was a bigger place and they had a whole there were people in and out all the time. And I was like, can you call an ambulance? I think I have something in my throat. I'm choking, whatever. And then there was a doctor down there and he was helping me. And he's like, you know, you're breathing, so you're definitely not choking. So that's good. And then I just remember being like, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. And they're like, we got the ambulance for you. They're coming, whatever. I'm like, okay. Then I remember I was, I had my, I was like, they they told me to like, you know, I was, I was over. My head was basically like I was going to throw up or whatever. It was it was towards the toilet or towards the ground, but I was just breathing. And this woman, older woman, comes over to me and she starts rubbing my back. She's like, you're going to be okay. Don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. We're all here for you. And literally the piece of chicken went down my throat. Like it literally just slid down my throat and I was fine. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think it went down. Like I could swallow. I swallowed. And I just remember, and the ambulance was there. So I basically had asked my mom, you know, should I still go in the ambulance? And my dad, and they're like, go ahead. If you think you need to get checked by, just go go in the ambulance, see what they say. I'm like, okay. They were asking me questions. They took me to Hahnemann Hospital. And I get to the hospital and they're like, do you want to be checked in? I mean, you seem okay. And I said, I don't know, like, how expensive is that going to be? I mean, I was young at the time. So I didn't know. I, I mean, what was my insurance? I don't even know. Um and at that point, my dad had shown up and he – because he dr- drove down to make sure I was okay. And I said, I, I think I'm okay. Like I think I'm – I know the food went down, but my throat really hurts now. Like it's really sore. And he said, just come home, blah, 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 blah. Ended up not going to the hospital at all because I kind of knew what happened. And I had this whatever happened with my reflux. And then I had a panic attack, which basically, if you're listening, you know that – one of the one of the main symptoms of panic attacks is your throat closing up. You feel like your throat's closing up. So 
or even when you're anxious, you just feel like your your throat. I mean, a lot of people say that it doesn't happen to everybody, but um, yeah. So after that happened, that was so scary, and I was by myself. I started just it was very traumatic and really scared of being alone in my apartment. And um, I did go to see a gastroenterologist. Um, I've gotten multiple endoscopy and uh, colonoscopies done. And everything, thank goodness, came out okay with those. But I was diagnosed with GERD, which essentially is like a – it's like reflux 2.0. It's, you know, when your muscle – your throat spasms and all this stuff. And so – um. Since then, I've had a couple episodes where food was stuck in my throat, but I was definitely scared, but did, but knew what was happening. So I knew I have like a lot of times when it happens now, I have to move my body. I the one thing that is the most important for me is breathing, is diaphragm from my diaphragm. So belly breathing is honestly the most healing thing. Whenever I feel like I'm having that like reflux. And a lot of times it's in my chest, like I can I can feel that like, okay, oh, I must have eaten something bad or or like there's a something in my throat. Breathing is honestly and slowly, it just, you know, it it opens your airways. And it really, really, it's the one thing that helps me. So I've done so much breath work every day, and I really try and focus on my breathing every day. Um, but Still, I mean, it it doesn't just – I mean, that's the thing with reflux. It really has to do with your diet. So coming from a big Italian family, I love pasta. I love bread. I love wine. I love all the foods that you shouldn't have with reflux. So I am on medication. It's called Amesperol. I'm on like 40 milligrams. Um, it's not something that I want to be on for a long time. There's – research that has shown that it's not great to be on that forever. Um, I'm talking to an integrative doctor. I want to see if there's, you know, holistic ways I can get off of it. But for now, it's really, really hard to change my diet. I mean, not to say that I just eat pasta bread all day. I have my smoothies. I really eat, I want to say probably 75% of the time, I eat really non-inflammatory foods and veggies and, um, you know, dairy-free. I try not to eat a lot of gluten. And then like 25% of the time, you know, I go out to dinners with my boyfriend and my family and, you know, I have some drinks sometimes. So um, it's hard. It's really, really a hard lifestyle, especially if you're someone that really struggles with it. And I do. And, you know, I went from taking like Nexium every day to now this prescribed medication. I just really hope I can kind of just manage it now and it not have to get worse at all. But the one thing I will say is now I am totally aware of when it's happening. So like if I have a couple days where I know I'm not eating the best, I can feel it in my chest and I'll either do some inter intermittent fasting. So that can be really good for reflux too, is intermittent fasting, eating really small meals throughout the day. So five to six small meals instead of like the breakfast, lunch, dinner. Small meals have been known to be really effective. Also drinking a lot of water um, just throughout the day, always. I will always just drink a lot of water. Um, and if I know like I'm just feeling really bad, I'll have like a smoothie for breakfast and lunch and I'll just kind of reset my body. So that could be helpful. Again, everyone's body's different. So please, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling you if you've reflux that this is going to work for you. Um, but it really is not a one size fits all, which stinks. So I would say, but go to a, an integrative doctor for sure and have them have them look at everything. So when I say that, I mean like your vitamin deficiency levels, your like iron levels, your what did they find? Um, oh, and tests test for gluten, you know, allergies, test for different things. Um, I think that would be a good place to start if you're really struggling. But yeah, it was scary. And I don't wish that upon anybody. But if you guys have any other questions too about like reflux, I can try and help with what I've been through. Again, I'm not a doctor. So, you know, I can't speak on those clinical things. But um, definitely my personal experience. So anyway, I hope this episode was interesting enough for you to stay till the end. <laughs> 
And I'm sure you guys miss Taylor. She will be back next week. I really love all you guys. Um, please follow me at The Anxiety Healer and tell all your friends to follow me too. Um, and health underscore anxiety is Taylor. Please tell everyone to follow her and follow us at The Anxiety Chicks. And also, uh, I have a masterclass starting in a couple days uh, at The Anxiety Healing School. So it's the seven-day Anxiety Healing Masterclass. Um, and we're starting on Monday. And so there's a couple spots left. So go to the Anxiety Healing School and uh, enroll now if you want. It's my most popular course. So, all right, y'all. I hope you have a good rest of your week. Talk to you later. Bye. Hi, healers. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Anxiety Chicks with Taylor and I. As always, you can find us on Instagram. You can find me, Allison Sepinera, as the Anxiety Healer and Taylor as health underscore anxiety. And as always, you can check out the Anxiety Healing School. I just dropped a new course called When Panic Attacks, Triggers That Create Fear and How to Overcome Them all about overcoming your anxious triggers and finding more awareness on what contributes to your anxious thoughts and giving you all the tools on how to overcome them. Uh, It's a self-paced course, and if there's any struggle with finances, there's a payment plan available as well, so go to theanxietyhealingschool.com to check that out, and as always, go to peakofpanic.com to check out updates about Taylor's blog and her journal she's coming out with. Thanks, everyone. Happy healing. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.